0: Welcome to the Alchemy of Things, a podcast diving deep into topics like skincare, holistic living, and the energy that connects us all. I'm your host, Brandi Searcy, founder and formulator of Rain Organica, where you'll find skincare you can take with you anywhere. Rather than starting today's episode with a question, I'd like to invite you to notice what you feel as you hear this. It sounds like gluten might be causing that. Did you feel yourself tense up? Did you roll your eyes? If you felt either of those responses or some other degree of repulsion, we share something in common. For years, I rolled my eyes when I heard that excuse and heard gluten-free touted as a cure-all for anything. Could gluten really be the devil that's causing so much disease and distress in our lives? While gluten may be a stock answer for the cause of dis-ease, and for good reason because gluten has been linked to a number of health concerns and conditions, it very often feels like a lazy answer. And sometimes it is. While a gluten-free diet can help so much in controlling a number of health conditions, it's often just the easiest way to approach those diseases. It's usually a less time-consuming and cheaper alternative to deeper work. And oftentimes, going gluten-free does yield results. And so for that reason alone, it is so worthy of consideration. Today's episode isn't about gluten at all, but rather phthalates, which are the gluten equivalent in the plastics world. In today's episode, we're talking about phthalates. We'll talk about what they are, why they pose significant health concerns, where they're found, and why they're used, and ways that you can reduce your exposure to them in your everyday life. We're also going to be talking about a common misconception when it comes to assessing a product's sustainability. For plastic containers, often, ease of recyclability is used as the metric to assess their eco-friendliness and sustainability. In this episode, we'll talk about how recyclability is just one small piece of the environmental impact conversation, and talk about what phthalates have to do with PET plastic. That's the plastic with the number one printed on it. For the recycling code so phthalates are a group of chemicals that are used to make plastics more flexible for this reason they're often called plasticizers and in this capacity they're most often used to soften pvc have you ever been walking down the aisle of your local hardware store usually that's a home depot or lowe's these days and taking a look at the pvc pipe or been over in the pvc section If so you're aware of how hard pvc really is. So it's surprising that that same material is in shower curtains and IV bags. Now, when I mentioned shower curtains, what scent comes to your mind? That shower curtain smell, that new shower curtain smell, is phthalates in action, and they're responsible for making the PVC plastic, the vinyl plastic used in the shower curtain, more pliable and more transparent. Phthalates are also used in synthetic fragrances to help the scent linger for longer. You'll also find them in printing inks, in non-chip nail polish, in vinyl paints, in some enteric coatings for tablets, and as I mentioned before, in IV bags. In other words, phthalates are everywhere, and it only took them a century to get there. Phthalates were first introduced as plastic softeners and in products like insect repellents in the 1920s. Phthalates can leach into food from the plastic used in the food packaging, and they're particularly widespread in dairy because apparently they're used for some of the plastics that are used for milking the cows. They're also not well broken down in the environment. And a number of studies document that phthalates have been found to bioaccumulate in higher bird and mammal species. And you might have noticed that I mentioned phthalates are a group of molecules. So how can you identify a phthalate if they're more than just one molecule? Phthalates usually have long chemical names that are representative of their side chains. This is the R and the R' group. So let's just talk about the basic structure of a phthalate. All phthalates contain the structure of phthalic acid with two substitutions. And again, this is that R and R' prime group. Phthalic acid is an aromatic dicarboxylic acid, meaning that it has two acid groups on the molecule. And for each phthalate, that acid group, so the OH acid group for both of those acids, is replaced by an R and possibly an R' prime group. R signifies an organic piece of the molecule, which means the R group contains one or more carbons. And if the side groups are different, meaning that one of those acids has a different side chain than the other... The second R group is designated as R prime. Now the R and R prime side groups determine the molecular weight of the phthalate and also the chemical name of the phthalate itself. And because these names are so long, most of the time those names are abbreviated. What risk do phthalates really pose to human health? All right, here's your warning, strap in. I anticipated to find that phthalates were implicated in fertility and reproductive development, and that was pretty much it. I knew they were very implicated in both fertility and reproductive development. However, I had no idea that a number of articles implicates them in different types of cancer, type 2 diabetes, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and a whole host of other health conditions. So maybe now's the time to ask whether you think I overstated that phthalates really are the glutens of the plastic world. When phthalates are broken down by the body, those breakdown compounds act as endocrine disrupting chemicals, or EDCs, and these interfere with different endocrine molecular signaling pathways. Most notably, phthalates interfere with fetal development, specifically relating to fetal development of reproductive organs in boys, And phthalates have been linked to conditions in newborns that are associated with long-term risk of testicular cancer, most notably undescended testicles. Phthalates also interfere with sperm count and sperm health in adult men. So aside from healthy reproductive organ growth of boys during pregnancy, phthalates interfere with fetal development, they reduce placental weight, they result in preterm delivery, they can even cause miscarriage and each phthalate behaves slightly differently, depending on those side groups. The problem with phthalates doesn't stop at reproductive concerns. Phthalates are being investigated for their role in thyroid system disruption. There's an association between the urinary concentration of phthalates and thyroid hormones. There's actually an inverse relationship between those two, meaning that if you have higher circulating levels uh, or higher levels of phthalate in your urine, you have lower levels of circulating free T4. And high doses of the phthalate, DEHP, caused hyperplasia and hypertrophy of the thyroid. And both of these indicate that it's putting the thyroid gland under stress. Phthalates also cause higher levels of reactive oxygen species. And if you've listened to episode two, you'll know that higher reactive oxygen species are a bad thing because they cause oxidative stress within the body reactive oxygen species can lead to cell death, they can lead to damaged DNA, damage with the cell membrane, damage to components within the cell itself. And this higher level of reactive oxygen species that's associated with phthalates is one of the proposed ways that researchers believe phthalates are reducing sperm count. It's also one of the proposed ways that phthalates might contribute to increased cancer risk. Phthalates have been correlated with several different cancer types. Now, I'm not one to jump on many bandwagons. However, when the research overwhelmingly implicates phthalates in a host of diseases and conditions, I go with the science, and the science suggests that phthalates really are just that bad. Estimates are that we're exposed to a lot of phthalates every day. How much is a lot? Well, studies estimate we get a dose of one gram or more of phthalates each day. A gram is about a quarter of a teaspoon. Just for your comparison, just for comparison, really, your daily recommended amount of vitamin C is 0.1 grams, or 10% of your likely daily dose of phthalates. The U.S. EPA has established a tolerable daily intake for a few phthalates between 80% Micrograms per kg body weight per day and 3500 micrograms per kg per body weight per day. What this means is that for a 120 pound person, this converts to between 0.043 grams and 0.19 grams of exposure of a tolerable daily exposure to these two particular types of phthalates. The first one with that low number of 0.043 grams as the tolerable daily intake is for DEHP. The one with the higher number, that 0.19 grams as a tolerable daily intake is for a phthalate known as MP. The EU has implemented special guidelines and restrictions for some of the phthalates and the EU's REACH program limits the concentration of four phthalates in particular in a variety of household items, most especially in children's toys. These are deemed substances of very high concern, and the four phthalates restricted are DEHP, DBP, BBP, and DIBP. I know a lot of acronyms here. So another thing I'd like to mention, so I mentioned that vinyl shower curtains and basically, anything else made out of vinyl, and this would have a recycling code of V and maybe also three. Those have, under this REACH program, basically, those items marked with a recycling code of three or V are oftentimes not recycled in Europe because of this new REACH guidelines and because of the concern that the levels of Phthalates, in particular phthalates that are limited under the REACH program, most notably DEHP, is too high. So for that reason, they're getting pulled out of the recycling stream. Aside from shower curtains, where are you getting exposed to phthalates on a daily basis? Well, phthalates are used in a number of synthetic fragrances to help the scent linger. So skin care and household items like air fresheners and candles... Often, if they're using synthetic fragrances, those may contain phthalates. Now, a number of companies have switched over to phthalate-free fragrances. However, if you can't find anything on the company's website or on the packaging itself, because oftentimes it will be made clear on the label that they're phthalate-free fragrances, then reach out to the company directly and just ask. Somewhere else you can find phthalates are in nail, is in nail polish. And once again, a number of companies have switched over to phthalate free nail polish. And yes, if you're not sure, reach out and ask, they'll be proud to tell you if they're phthalate free somewhere else, a few other things that you may not think of, because I know for me, it took me a little bit to think about these, but laundry detergent is another one. There's a. So one of the links in today's show notes is for phthalate-free laundry detergent, if you're interested. And yes, that company still uses enzymes to cut through the dirt and the grime on dirty clothes and leave them smelling fresh without the use of phthalates. What about PET plastic? So PET stands for polyethylene terephthalate. And If you noticed I said terephthalate, okay, let's talk through what this means. So terephthalates are... So normally, so a normal phthalate, those R groups that I talked about are in the one and two position on the benzene ring that's within the molecule. Now I know I'm saying benzene here. Don't freak out. A phthalate and terephthalate are something completely different than benzene. They have the... So in acid the OH groups forming that phthalic, and specifically it's dicarboxylic uh, acid. So anyway, the OH groups and those di, those carboxyl groups are hanging off the one and the two position within the phthalate, within the structure. So off that benzene. For a terephthalate, the R groups are hanging off the one and four position. So they're kind of opposite the molecule. This is going to come up again when we talk about parabens here. I know I know you've heard of parabens and all the hubbub on that, but I wanted to get into the science a little bit of it. So we'll be covering those in a future episode. And this is going to come up again there. So anyway, with pterophthalates, it appears, at least at first glance, that there's not as much of a concern that there's something about the positioning of those R groups where it probably just can't bind with the endocrine receptors like the phthalate molecules can. So again, the phthalate molecules, those R groups are in the one and two position. So terethalates seem to be exempt from this concern with being endocrine disrupting uh, chemicals. I should I should say, and eliminated from some of this worry about concerns both from a reproductive aspect and some of these other diseases that we talked about earlier in today's episode. Just to let you know, so PET plastic is extremely common. It has the code one on the bottom of it. And in back in 2016, about 23 and a half million tons of PET plastic was purchased worldwide. And again, it doesn't, uh, that plastic is recycled, can be recycled. There are a number of invented organisms to help. Well, I say invented, maybe I shouldn't say invented, I should say found organisms to help break down those plastics back into their monomeric compounds for, uh, reuse and recycling. That said, the PET plastics, there are some studies showing that they will leach terephthalates into uh, the container and antimony is used as a catalyst for, uh, it. It's there are a couple of different ways to make PET plastics and in one of those antimony is used as a catalyst for that. And so it appears the larger health concern with PET plastics is actually due to potential for leaching antimony into whatever that container is holding, whether it's bottled water or uh, Gatorade or, I I mean, I say Gatorade, any kind of electrolyte drink, I should say, or what have you. So since since we've been talking so much about the recycling code numbers on the bottom of bottles, I wanted to mention number seven. So number seven is this catch-all category for other. And you'll find quite a few places on the the internet that claim that it implies that it's polycarbonate. And this is not, this is so funny because it's not, it's not always true. Polycarbonate is a huge concern because it has BPA. Then number seven on the bottom as a recycling code isn't a huge concern because oftentimes other can mean mixed plastics. And so I just, uh, it it rubs me the wrong way when I see sites that that claim that, oh yeah, it's polycarbonate. And no, it's likely not polycarbonate. So one of the things about polycarbonate is it's, it's a pretty hard plastic and it tends to crack easily. Most of the uh, Rain Organica's airless bottles are marked with a number seven on the bottom, but that doesn't mean they're made out of polycarbonate or even contain polycarbonate. <laughs> what it does mean is that that little airless uh diaphragm within the bottom within the bottle is not made out of polypropylene like the rest of the container is made out of and yeah for that reason it's uh marked with the number 7 cuz it's a different type of plastic but anyways i digress i hope that you've found today's talk and i hope that you've found today's episode informational and I hope that this brings to your awareness kind of where phthalates could be hiding and also gives you an idea of where you can make changes just just to reduce your daily exposure to these compounds. On occasion, you can find essential oil scented candles at Rain Organica. These are made with plant-based waxes and also contain cotton wicks so they're completely natural, including the essential oil blends. Also on Rain Organica, we've started carrying handmade terracotta discs that are perfect for hanging on your rear view mirror in the car or for placing in any other small space, like a closet or a tiny bathroom. And with these terracotta discs, You basically just add a few drops of your favorite essential oil and or essential oil blend, either one, and let it diffuse naturally. No electricity needed. You can find both those over at Rain Organica's site. Sometime over the next week, would you be willing to set aside 15 minutes to try an experiment? Set a timer for 15 minutes, then sit and notice your breath during that 15 minute window. As thoughts pass through your mind, bring your attention back to your breath. If you get overly anxious, know that you're free to discontinue at any time. What's the point of this exercise? If you've tried meditation before, have you tried meditating without guidance or without music? Do you know whether you're comfortable sitting with your thoughts and your breath for an entire space of 15 minutes? I'd love for you to share your experience with this exercise. Were you able to complete it? Did you feel anxious or nervous or worried during this session? You can always reach me by email at info@rainorganica.com or by DM on Instagram or on Pinterest. I'm on both of those platforms at Rain Organica. What prompted me to ask you to try this experiment is because I tried it myself. I am working towards developing a meditation habit. And in this process, which has been long and maybe, well, I don't have a habit yet. So it's, it's been a quite long process. I often really enjoy guided meditations and I have a number of those that I've collated over about a year. And you can also find those in today's show notes if you enjoy guided meditations. I was curious as to whether I was able to make it through that 15 minutes. So I tried it. I've only tried it once. I made it to 14 minutes. So I'd love to just see what your experience is. By the time that 14 minutes was up, I was really antsy. I was thinking my timer was broken. Something was going on. I'm missing something really important. Yeah, the FOMO was hitting me hard. So again, I would just love to see what your own experience is if you choose to try this sometime over the next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode, and I'd be so grateful for you sharing this podcast with a friend who may also enjoy it. Again, you can find today's show notes plus your own guide for ways to avoid phthalates in your everyday life by heading over to rainorganica.com blogs podcast. That free download is super handy for checking out a number of ways to reduce your exposure to phthalates daily. Again, thank you so much for tuning in until next time. Bye. If you're enjoying the alchemy of things, would you consider leaving a review? You can leave a review in your favorite podcast listening platform, and I would so appreciate your time in doing so. Thank you.